With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The New Hollywood Podcast is brought to you by the Apple TV Plus series Defending Jacob, a thriller based on the best-selling novel and starring Chris Evans, Michelle Dockery, Jaden Martell, Cherry Jones, and J.K. Simmons. The limited drama series unfolds around a shocking crime that rocks a family in a small Massachusetts town. For your Emmy consideration, visit fyc.appletvplus.com. Hello, everybody. My name is Dino Ray Ramos, and you're listening to Deadline's new Hollywood podcast with my co-host. I'm Amanda Nduka. And Dino, who do we have for this podcast? You guys, you guys are going <laughs> to scream with joy because we have Dan Levy, star of, and, uh, you know, and, and writer and overall head, Creator, co-creator right. of uh, <laughs> Schitt's Creek. Dan Levy is he he's he was just so much fun yeah <laughs> so you connected with him because of all the hills talk because he did oh my gosh yes show. he hosted he was a, before he did Six Creek that's really hard to say Shits Creek he was a host an MTV uh host and he did after shows for the hills and for Laguna Beach which is basically like my my whole high school experience so I was very excited and he was in Degrassi like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I think we had a really good conversation with him just because, you know, a, a lot of you may know his dad is Eugene Levy. He stars mm-hmm. in Schitt's Creek about he, uh, Schitt's Creek with him. And I think he goes into being a part of an entertainment family and kind of trying to pave his own path. And I think he certainly did with this show. This the show, if you guys haven't watched, it's um, it, it recently ended. And mm-hmm. so it's out there for you to watch. And it's just a really warm show. Um, very inclusive and not mean-spirited at all and I enjoyed it I cried during the finale um, <laughs> and I th- and then Dan I th- just talking to him it, it was a joy because he shared with us his last Postmates order and how he can't <laughs> cook and all that <laughs> um, so yeah here is Dan Well, well, Dan, thank you for joining us here on our lovely podcast, the future of podcasting, I might say. <laughs> 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 oh, no, but thank you so much for joining us and taking the time out 
uh, to chat with me and Amanda. It's great to Thank have you. Thank you so much for having me. I have to warn you right now that I have tried my best to turn off all notifications on my computer while we're doing this. <laughs> but there is a very good chance that they won't work. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so just bear with me because I'm realizing through this quarantine that I have absolutely no idea how technology works. <laughs> No, I don't it, think you're fun. the only person. I don't think you're alone there. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I kind of like these kind of candid moments in our uh, our podcasting. Yesterday we were recording one and Amanda's dad walked in on yeah. while you were recording. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you were all, get out. And I was like, dad, don't talk to me. <laughs> there will inevitably come a point where my dog starts barking to be let outside or someone calls me through my computer. So oh, there's yeah. a level of spontaneity that I feel like we should just embrace for the next No, while. seriously. My dog That's is sitting fine. right in front of me, and I'm like, no. If, if, if anybody rings the doorbell, it's it's done. He's gonna <laughs> it's go. It's gonna, he's exactly. gonna go crazy. Um, but what what have you been up to during your during this quarantine period? Are you are you using it to like hone in new skills? Like people keep people are saying, are you just sort of like relaxing and reflecting? Yeah, I mean, you know, I I didn't really cook before, and now I'm being forced to cook. Mm. It's a wonderful thing. Um, not for the people who have to eat my food. <laughs> Fortunately, no one's really doing that. So it's just me learning how bad a cook I am. Oh, um, so I've been slowly starting to do that. And um, I got like a little electric keyboard. No, oh, nice. You're the second person I, that have I found out that ha- is like testing their keyboard skills. Oh, I know. There's. I feel like there's like three things that people are doing. You're either making sourdough starter <laughs> a bread, or learning then- an instrument or a language. Like there's only four things. Right. Um. So I always wanted a, a like a keyboard in my house. So I I got one uh, and and made sure that I Clorox wiped the whole <laughs> of course we're yeah. getting it up <laughs> but I, I played piano for like eight years growing up and it, I lost the skill and so I thought well now that I'm oh, nice. indoors I might as well try and just get it back and then you know and then just working and writing I feel like as a writer there's a sense of optimism I feel like in the more work that I do because I feel like the more work that us writers do um, the more work that will come down the line, the more shows and movies mm. that can be sold, the more employment that that happens when this all passes. So in a way, it feels right. kind of um, motivating and and inspiring to keep working because, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's met with the potential of, of employment down the line. Good, good. Yeah. That's a really good way yeah. to look at it, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So they... <laughs> We're, gri- we're grasping at straws at this point. <laughs> we're like, <laughs> that's a good way to look at it. <laughs> uh, it is nice to know that in 2025, maybe a TV show that, I, that I've written will get made. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Well, you've definitely you've done it before, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so um, but Dan, I just want, I wanted to ask you, so um, coming from like a, ba- a background where your family, a family entertainers, is that what influenced you to get into this business? Is that, or was there something else that maybe um, was sort of the, 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 the launching pad for you? I don't know. I mean, I think in, in a way I've always had this like strong desire to create. It wasn't so mm-hmm. much even to perform, but it was like, I, I always had ideas and I was, was always really curious about executing those ideas. Even going back mm-hmm. to like my earliest memories of, um, you know, putting on, uh, I would stage performances of cats in my parents' basement with my like kindergarten class friends. Wow, um, cats. <laughs> <with> cats. <laughs> so it was kind did, of like- Did you see, did you see the movie? 
<laughs> so, um, so did I. Don't worry. And a truly, um, it was a journey. Unique experience. <laughs> I would watch it again. Honestly, I would totally watch it again. It actually made me realize how absurd my kindergarten production was <laughs> to my parents. Do you know what I mean? Like, I can't even find a through line through that 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 the book let was there <laughs> was there a certain cat you played were you Isabella? I played most of the cats oh you played me. you played multiple roles i played multiple i mean we only had a there was a, a small handful of <laughs> it was a small company it was a small up company. to the potential of what those performances required um, <laughs> so you know there was a there was and i'm sure it was like one day i was mr mistopheles <laughs> the next day i was grizabella it really didn't matter but part of it was not just bringing the show to life but I would like help figure out the sets and the staging. And I've always just been really fascinated and curious about bringing ideas that I've had in my head to life in a very physical kind of um, manual way. Um, so I, I guess in a way it came, it must've had to, to come from, from some kind of gene or, or kind of mm. through osmosis of, of watching my, my dad get to kind of play dress up and, and make things in, in his life. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I never really thought about it at the time, but I guess if it's around, if it's in your home, um, there might be a, a curiosity to, to at least experiment with what was, mm-hmm. you know, what, what your parents were doing. And I find that's a really interesting thing because I feel like there was a period of time like eight or nine years ago where any child who happened to follow their parents' footsteps in entertainment, and I know that this pertains to a lot of different industries, was kind of slapped mm-hmm. with the nepotism mm. um, label without really much thought or care being put into how or why these opportunities actually came to these people. Mm. And I think, you know, I have a lot of friends whose parents are lawyers and they've gone into their parents' law firm or, you know, in medical professions, people take over their parents, you know, doctors. Yeah. Um, when it's in the home, it just kind of there is a good chance that you might be curious to pursue something that your parents were interested. I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a strange thing. And I also don't think that the industry is as simple as people think it is in terms of, you know, when you are given an opportunity, you might be given an open door, but you're certainly not given like a television show. (laughs) Like there's way too much money at stake. For someone to just like (laughs) hand over an opportunity without actually work being put into that opportunity and a lot of time and Mm -hmm. effort and care. So Mm -hmm. for a long time, I really avoided um, associating with my dad in any kind of professional capacity because, um, you know, I was very fearful of of how people would perceive Mm my place in in the industry and also um i wanted to make sure that i could stand on my own two feet as someone who had something to say something that i could bring to the table that was more than just uh you know um being the son of someone who has managed to create a really lovely career for themselves Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. yeah i guess i guess it has been around but a lot of it really felt more independent than that Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And then in your early days of your career, you were a host, right? You were an MTV uh, host. Yeah. MTV Canada, <laughs> hey. Yeah. <laughs> and you, so how, how did you get into that? And so, and how was your transitioning from being a host of the Hills After Show? Which was one of my favorite, these, these, and, and the city, yeah. like, and you, you were in Degrassi oh, too. Uh, I was yeah, like, yeah. look at you. You basically like were in everything that defined my, my early <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, um, no. But how was the t- that transition for you? You know, I, I um, was a really fearful child and mm. a very fearful teen. And a lot of the decisions and opportunities that I missed out on or, you know, decisions that I made that were not necessarily to my best benefit were made out of fear. Mm. And I always knew that I liked performing. I produced and wrote and directed and starred in all my school plays and had always, you know, had a a curiosity and a fascination with performance. Um, But when it came to, to university and, you know, pursuing acting in theater, I was too scared to audition for the theater program. So I went into film instead thinking, mm. well, I could maybe make a movie and put myself in it. Doesn't work that way. <laughs> um, and through the process, I just felt like I was losing myself. I felt like in a way I was really aware of the fact that I made the wrong choice and that mm. that choice was made out of fear. And I moved one summer um, in between uh, school to London for like four or five months to get a job over there and to really do something that I'd never done before. And I was really socially phobic and had a hard time talking to people and ended up getting a job at a talent agency over Mm -hmm. there, which is like speaking of being thrown literally into a shark tank. horrifying (laughs) Um, for those of you that don't know like agencies are a very um intense place to work (laughs) it's a lot of personalities it's a a lot of high stakes drama Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) i don't know why they never made a reality show that's what i was about to say yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) probably because there's like too much hr business yeah yeah. and and they would they would probably all get fired (laughs) (laughs) if you actually stole what they say about the clients (laughs) Um, I went there and I did that and I threw myself in the deep end and like really taught myself to, to function on a slightly more outward sort of basis. And I, I was manning the phones and I was having to handle calls and I was having to cold call people, all of which involved like this kind of social activity that I was never used to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I knew that I needed to do that in order to be able to achieve the kind of success, personal success, professional success that I wanted in the future. And when I came home uh, from the UK, I really had developed a stronger sense of self and a stronger sense of confidence that led me to saying yes to an audition for MTV when a friend Mm. of mine reached out and asked if I wanted to participate um, in this sort of open casting call. And uh, I went in and, you know, at the time it was this reality show that they were putting together where they'd give all the potential hosts a hundred dollars and they said go out and spend the money and come back to us and tell us what you what you've spent your money on and people came back with like sarah mclaughlin cd because it represented sides of their personalities wait what did you get back I came back and I didn't have anything and they were like what did you spend your money on and I said well I paid my bills 
So at least at the end of this, if I don't get the job, I can like afford to live for another month. Oh my God. That's that's very smart. I was supposed to go to a video store and like you don't get paid a lot of money at a video store. Wow. For those of you that don't know what a video store was, (laughs) it happened before Netflix became a streaming service. Right. Blockbuster. Um, There was something called Blockbuster. There's still one more in existence. Oh, yeah. And one more. (laughs) And I ended up getting the job from it. And wow. so it was this wonderful sort of experience of just pinpointing a weakness, trying to fix that in myself, and then putting myself out there and ended up benefiting quite quite um, well from it. Um, and I was a host at MTV for eight years and the hills really came, the, the Laguna Beach started. Yes, <laughs> Laguna Beach. As we all know. <laughs> <laughs> and we were offered, you know, the the um, the opportunity to do an after show for Laguna Beach. And at the time, no one in my office really wanted to do that because it taped live on Friday nights at like 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> and I don't want to say I didn't have a life, but I was available. Um, <laughs> and People don't so, start going out until 11 anyway, so it's fine. <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> Our little team of, of my co-host, Jesse and I, you know, along with our small team of producers, really built this after show format that became kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And then when The Hills came around, MTV started to pick up on the fact that we were getting viewership and people were really engaging in the, in the format. And then we started getting into the fold of MTV US and mm-hmm. um, ended up hosting the, the MTV Movie Awards red carpet, which was mm. the scariest, most terrifying mm. Oh God! Well, me and Amanda have both. Worked, yeah, me and Amanda both worked red carpet before, and yeah, I haven't done MTV. I haven't, yeah, I haven't done the MTV one though. But yeah, I, it's like you have to prepare. You have to know what yeah. people are doing. You have to like ask them. I was so paralyzed with fear, <laughs> uh, mainly because I really loved the people that we were being forced to interview, and mm-hmm. the questions obviously that you have to ask are like so. Your story, like it's not <laughs> like that's not what I want to say. So what's your story? Like that's not, you know what I mean? Like that's not. Yeah, it's, it's the people that I was, yeah. you know, interviewing. Um, that I just thought, gosh, I would much rather have like a a, a meaningful conversation because yeah, you over can't you can't leverage than develop than something that, that exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was actually on that red carpet that I had a real moment of realizing realizing that I wanted to do something that someone would want to mm-hmm. ask me questions about and not just be, you know, an entertain. In, in my mind, it was like I had done se- seven years of, of The Hills and then I was out there and I was terrible at it. There are people that are so good at red carpets mm-hmm. and that's such a skill. I didn't have that. I was crippled with anxiety. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, so I just felt like maybe there's something more that I can do. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm the person that, you know, wants to develop something or create something so that one day mm-hmm. someone might be curious enough to ask me a question about it. And that was a really big sort of moment for me in terms of realizing, um, what I wanted and what I didn't want. Um, because I think it's, it's equally yeah. as important to know what you don't want in yeah. your life than, you, than what you yeah. do. Yeah. You, you really yeah. did forge your, you really did forge your own path. Yeah. Yes. It's, I just feel like when, when your gut is telling you to mm. stop or to, to, you know, to, to grow or to change, it's really mm-hmm. helpful yeah. to listen to it. Yeah. And that mm-hmm. led to, of course, Shit's Creek, which, you know, I, I've talked to you about it before. And 
yeah. the, the, that that ending was amazing, and that sh- the show okay. was just amazing. And <laughs> I, 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 so many people cried in that finale, and I'm sure I know y'all, everyone on the show did. But um, oh, yeah. you know, um, yeah. but you know, from you know, and also, you know. I just want to side note: your co-star was on Celebrity Drag Race. I don't know. I don't know if you. you Justin. Yes, Justin was on Celebrity. He won. Drag. And he won. Spoiler alert for anyone who didn't watch, but still, no, no, it's, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, You're but like, it's fine. I did not realize how much he of a of a Drag Race fan he was because he knew a lot, and I oh, loved yeah. his personality. <laughs> Rachel McAdams Apple was I I, I, yeah. I love that name, but you know, with with, <laughs> with, with Shit's Creek, um, from the beginning, did you have a clear roadmap and how you wanted it to be from the beginning, or was there like a turning point when you were all, oh, this is we have something really special here, like throughout the series. Well, I think like any first season of a show, you really spend that time laying groundwork for what you hope will come. Um, and if you're fortunate enough to to be given multiple seasons, then then that's a wonderful thing. It's a really tricky thing, the first season of a show, because so much of it is is the groundwork. So much of it is laying foundation um, so that you can build on that foundation. And for us, the story was about kind of a wealthy family that had been used to a very... Um, you know, wealthy life. They've been Mm -hmm. surrounded by materialism and a lot of what they felt love was, was tied Mm -hmm. to things and gifts. And um, when money kind of can bandage all your problems, you don't really get to live in the guts of what love is. You don't really get into the nitty gritty because everything is just a distraction. So for us, Mm -hmm. the intention was to always slowly but surely, if we were given multiple seasons, peel back the layers on who these people are and have them realize that their lives before did not necessarily bring them the kind of joy that living a really authentic, joy-filled, intimate, personal life with your family can bring. So, um, you know, our first season really was important in laying the foundation for who these characters were in order to slowly but surely have them realize who they are becoming. and, uh, you know, I think there was a very active choice made off the top to not have the small town be the butt of the joke. Yeah. Um, I've seen it one too many times and I just don't think it's nice or fair. Um, I think, so once we had realized that we wanted the joke to be the family, we didn't want the town to be the joke. Once that flipped, it on, flipped the whole kind of narrative on its head, mm-hmm. then we were really able to excavate well, how, what does a town look like when it is um, more accepting, more open-minded, more loving than the family that came to it? Mm. And that really opened the door for telling stories about acceptance and love and, um, you know, just a, 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 the, what becomes of a community that is rooted in support rather than bigotry or intolerance yeah. of any kind. Mm. And I think slowly but surely as the characters developed, we were able to excavate those really poignant moments where our characters were able to learn really beautiful truths about themselves and the people in this town. So it it slowly but surely led itself down a path where we would explore more sentimental moments. Mm -hmm. Um, But we had to kind of earn those moments, which is why you need to, to, to show the before in order to get to the after. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. The New Hollywood Podcast is brought to you by the Apple TV Plus series Defending Jacob, a thriller based on the best-selling novel and starring Chris Evans, Michelle Dockery, Jaden Martell, Cherry Jones, and J.K. Simmons. The limited drama series unfolds around a shocking crime that rocks a family in a small Massachusetts town. For your Emmy consideration, visit fyc.appletvplus.com. Was there was there a certain episode that you guys did that you were like, okay, this this is this this is, we have something really special here? Was there did you ever have that aha moment? Well, I think as soon as you know our cast came together and and everyone just sort of clicked into those roles, I knew that there was something special happening. And then I think mm. you know, for me on a personal level, once we started exploring, um, you know, my character's sexuality. Um, it felt like we were touching on something that I hadn't necessarily seen before. Yeah. Um, you know, dealing with pansexuality, um, at the time, I don't think I'd ever seen a pansexual character on TV before mm -hmm. and getting to explore what that meant and how my family accepted my character without any mm -hmm. questions. Um, and just in a way, making the decision to portray sexuality with a kind of nonchalance that did not make the queer person the uh, butt of a joke or you know uh, didn't lead to tragedy or all of those things that I feel like members of the community are so used to seeing themselves depicted in such tragic or yeah. caricatured ways um, it was a really important thing for me to to treat the um, the minutiae of how we were going to deal with my character and then ultimately my my boyfriend or you know, I, I also hooked up with, with Stevie in the first season and then <laughs> the idea of a throuple. And, you know, there's really been a, a wonderful sense of freedom in terms of the way that we've expressed sexuality on the show that's never been met with judgment. And I think in a way, yeah. reading the um, response from viewers, I think when you just lay things out on a table and let people take from it what they want, as opposed yeah. to teaching, trying to teach a lesson, there's a change that comes from that. Yeah, because yeah. you're not forcing something done down someone's throat. No one feels like pinned to a wall trying to accept a, a belief system that they might not feel comfortable yeah. with or right. understand. So when you create a space that feels open um, and and you know free for people to learn without judgment, I think you do get a kind of mm -hmm. change there. Yeah, yeah. I think we're we're, we're mm -hmm. seeing like. I, I, I'm glad you said that because, you know, the Schitt's Creek is like that. And we, we're kind of seeing this thing where we're putting, putting like these, you know, kind of outsized characters in these small spaces, like with Schitt's Creek. And I've been watching We're Here a lot, which is a docu-series, which mm -hmm. is like, you know, drag queens going, like, it's very Tu Wong Fu. But, and mm -hmm. they go to these small towns and they do drag makeovers on these, right. these people. And... Mm -hmm. And, but it goes beyond that and it, it kind of parallels to what you know they're not making the town a joke they're not they're they're not doing they're just showing that everyone is the same basically right mm -hmm. no matter what mm -hmm. kind of hate they well like some episodes they do encounter hate but you know yeah. and that's and I, <laughs> i've been watching sex education which i think is so mm. incredible yes. and i wish that i had it as a as a kid growing up just because i feel like the drama on that show isn't tied to people's sexuality necessarily. It's tied to just character conflict and, um, 
you know, by, by in a way kind of normalizing everybody's experience. Yes. Mm-hmm. It almost makes the viewer feel a sense of shame if there's something they don't agree with. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? No, 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 it makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. And it forces a level of introspection because you're thinking, well, all of these people seem to be very high functioning and seem to be, there seems to be a, a really joyful heartbeat at the root of all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, why do I live with so much hatred as a viewer? Mm-hmm. who doesn't necessarily agree with this or have conflict in my life with, with members of the community, whether it be a, a, a relative or a friend. Yeah. So I think the more we can continue to tell stories like that, mm-hmm. uh, the more change will happen. Um, and I just think it's such an extraordinary um, show that's, that, that touches on such truths about high school while at the same time being so you know, I don't love to say revolutionary, but mm-hmm. the, you know, in a way it, it really is in terms of just depicting um, everyone's experience, you know, in a way that's so respectful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, would you say that that's what you sort of hope the, the, the type of legacy that the show will, will leave? Yeah, of course. I think, you know, it's, for us, it was always about, um, we loved the idea of classic sitcoms and, mm-hmm. and, the, and the fact that, episodic tv and particularly comedies i think people turn to as a little escape and Mm -hmm. for us to to create a world that feels really hopeful and joyful and um and free and loving and to have people respond to that in such a positive way i mean that's what you want Mm -hmm. you know you want to affect some kind of positive change on the viewer especially you know considering that it's it's a really vulnerable place when you're watching yeah. TV. You're you're at home. You don't have the like guards that we put up when we leave the house. You know, it's like it's a very intimate experience when you're watching television. And I think, you know, to, for me, it was really important to seize that opportunity and to tell stories that reflected my experience and the experiences of my friends and mm. in ways that felt really honest and and um, and uh, and loving. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's the greatest compliment we can we could get is is mm-hmm. that someone walked away from the show feeling good about themselves and and, and the world. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, well. Speaking to that, you know, you, you are influential voice in the LGBTQ community, and I think you're, you're on the cover of EW this week. That illustrated one, right? <laughs> I believe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like it's, it's like if you like open up the inside part, I'm like on. The- <laughs> 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 that's dope though i i love to i love to see my i just like seeing illustrated or animated or illustrated versions of people it's so fun um, oh my gosh and like the collection of people that they illustrated yeah. on those sort of that portrait is so it's so, it's so it's so good oh but you know yeah. you, you you are influential voice and the show is it, it, it's done a lot to further that needle but um, you are put into now, you know, being at this on this platform, you are put in this position of being a touchstone for representation, you know, mm-hmm. and with this landscape, you know, a lot of people will agree with what you say. A lot of people won't agree, you know, but how do you hope to use your own platform to navigate those waters? And what do you hope to do to kind of uplift voices? Mm. I feel like all I can continue to do is to try and tell stories that mean something and to tell stories that are, um, that really sort of um, reflect my experiences in truthful ways. I mean, I think that's really all you can hope to do and just make sure that what you're doing feels inclusive and um, 
you know, I think to, to leave homophobia out of Schitt's Creek was a conscious decision because for me, it felt like there were shows that were showing the consequences really beautifully. There were dramas that were really navigating those waters with such care and, and it felt like for me in a comedy to leave homophobia out of the equation didn't ultimately someone who is homophobic if you were to show homophobia even if it's in a bad light they would see themselves on screen mm. they would see their beliefs depicted mm. for all to see by mm. removing that from the equation i'm not even allowing those people to see themselves on screen mm -hmm. that's so good that that's was, so good mm -hmm. that was kind of the only form of kind of silent protest that we were doing politically right. um I just had no care for it. I don't have any, um, I think you try to snuff out the bad. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, obviously there are shows and programs and movies that need to show the bad. You need to show the bad in order to move forward. But in this particular case, it just felt um, like the most powerful thing we could do is to not give a voice to those people. Um, yeah. And to just show how much love comes from support. Um, it, so that's sort of a philosophy that I hope to continue into all my work and, and, you know, I think when you're given that kind of opportunity and that kind of, um, money and, um, <laughs> and power to tell stories to millions of people, you have to be really careful and thoughtful about what you say and what you do because the repercussions are huge. I think we're seeing that in yeah. the news. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. with certain people who are really taking advantage of their power in, in very maniacal ways. So, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, that, that really is my, my sort of belief and, and all the projects that I'm hoping to develop and all the people I'm hoping to develop projects with, I think really share that, mm -hmm. that belief system as well and, and really want mm -hmm. to continue to shine lights out there that, that um, illuminate tolerance and, and acceptance and, and love and support mm -hmm. of all people. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know, that's, that's kind of the, the goal. Nice. Yeah, and speaking of projects, now that you've concert conquered Shit's <laughs> Creek, um, what, what do you wanna tackle next? I know, I know you're, do, are, you're doing um, the, so, the happiest season on, for Sony, right? Or... Yeah, we, we okay. shot that just so, before quarantine. Okay, um, okay. Uh, that was really fun. Clea Duvall um, oh. co-wrote mm -hmm. and directed. Kristen Stewart. Uh, Kristen Stewart, oh. Mackenzie Davis played two mm -hmm. uh, lesbian leads of the movie. Um, I'd mm -hmm. never seen, you know, a rom-com, a, 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 a studio rom-com uh, about mm -hmm. a, two lesbian leads. That's um, so it was really exciting to to be a part of, and you know, mm -hmm. I think it's a really going to be a really fun movie. Um, do you have anything you know, else that you're you're itching to I, tackle? <laughs> I would love to uh, explore the animated space. Yay! Oh, um, nice. I think that's a, a world that I'm really fascinated by, um, and I'm currently also working on a drama um, that's been really interesting. I wish I could tell you more about. Oh, well, it. we'll find <laughs> out about it. We can, like, we'll, hopefully, we can I'm have sure a we'll yeah yeah <laughs> um, but again it's like the subject matter is really important to me and i it's 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 a story that i don't think a lot of people know about so you know um be it comedy or drama i think just finding those stories that mean something mean something to me mm -hmm. and hopefully will mean something to other people is really important but it's been nice because when i was working on schitt's creek like i never jumped ship i think a lot of 
Um, showrunners tend to sort of set a show up and then they'll leave and, and do something else. And for me, because this was my first show and because I was very inexperienced before this show, it really felt important to see it all the way through so that I, I knew what it was like to build an entire series from start to finish. And I think that was really important. But in the process, I was able to sort of journal out ideas that I wanted to pursue when the show was done. So now I've been able to sort of go through my journal entries and, and, um, and pick, pick the most exciting ideas and, and really start to develop those. So it's been really, um, it's been really, a, you know, fun up until, well, mm-hmm. you know, the, the global <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> oh, um, yes, of course. <laughs> so, it's, like, it's like Voldemort. We can't say it. <laughs> yeah. It's there. But everything is kind of laced with like, a, a, like you have to preface everything by saying like, all things considered. You know, <laughs> all okay. things considered, Voldemort. Yeah, <laughs> But in a way, I do feel like this is going to affect the kinds of stories that we see. I mean, I'm very curious yeah. to see what comes out of this because, you know, I, I do feel like there's such great art that gets made in really trying times. Um, so I'm very kind of hopeful and um, and eager to see what what kind of stories are told in, in film and television once this is once this is done. Yeah, no, me too. Actually, I'm very curious, um, especially like, our, like you know, having to change up the way things are going to have to happen post Corona. Yeah. It's going to be oh, post Baltimore. Like people... Coco, <laughs> sorry, Coco, Coco, Corona. <laughs> you, you can please. Oh, oh. <laughs> We like to we like to wrap these interviews up with these fun questions. We call this segment the facts or the FAQs. Just random questions, some not random. Um, but first question: If somebody were to make a movie or a TV series about you right now, who would who would you want to play you? <laughs> There's wow. no wrong answer. There's no wrong answer. Well, there is a wrong answer because if I like. <laughs> A really, it's like if I give a really handsome actor, then it seems like I I think I'm that. Um, hey, Fauci said he wanted what Brad Pitt to play him, so you can yeah, say, yeah, yeah, you can do you whatever can you want. Money. This is this is your world. Exactly. I don't know. I mean, I, I, like I feel like I'm trying to think in like in my mind. I feel like I, it would be like a Zachary Quinto type. I feel like that oh. would be able to I feel like he's like a slightly more aspirational version of me. <laughs> so that's always like a good thing. Um, I see that though. I could see Zachary playing you. He wears glasses. He has dark hair. I wear glasses. Yeah. I have dark hair. Yeah. Um, it makes yeah, sense. I'll feel like a Zachary Quinto. I feel like he's like a very sellable name that would get that film made. Good. <laughs> he good. Makes that's sense. a good answer. That's a good answer. Okay. Yeah, um, it is. Uh, um, so what was the last thing you postmated, grubhubbed, or DoorDash. I don't know if you're in LA, but we're always looking for recommendations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is getting dark, everybody. Um, yes. Yes. <laughs> Shack. It was uh, a Shake Shack burger and Ooh. a hot dog and a milkshake so no, don't wow. shame yourself that's fine you know that's and fine. you know what didn't you, did you hear that they closed down all these shake store shakes shaken 
what is it? Shake, Shake Shack. <laughs> Shake Shack. Was it Shake Shack that they closed down because of the because of the virus, or did they? Was it maybe another different Shake Place? Maybe it maybe was I'm a getting, different Shake Place. I think I'm getting you're, my. You're shake getting your shakes. Continued. You're getting yeah. your shakes. <laughs> well, anyway, I was going to say maybe you well, could be one of the last um, people. That was some unnecessary stress. <laughs> I, know, um, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> No, but it, though I will say no, that. Well, yes. it's usually what, but that when I was delicious. When, when I usually do takeout or Postmates already, I kind of do it in bulk because I was like, oh, I need to have food for later this week. Yeah, yeah, that is the smartest thing. That's what I was doing with like I love Thai food, so yes. I just yeah. Thai food and like freezing a curry. Yes. <laughs> That's because so again, nobody needs to taste my cooking. Yeah. <laughs> myself. So if I can just have some things like in a fridge that I can defrost, then that's a, a much better way to go. <laughs> okay, next one. If someone yeah. gave you an unlimited budget to reboot a film, what film would it be? Oh gosh. <laughs> I don't know if I would. Would it be cats? I can't say that because then if I ever food <laughs> and it's on like, I've like immortalized myself in this chat. <laughs> I don't know. I'm really, to be honest, I find the reboots to be really tough um, yeah. because I feel like I'm such an advocate for original content. I feel like there are such talented writers and storytellers out there whose ideas are just not getting made because we're living in this culture of, of like reboots where people don't want to see things unless they've already seen it before mm. so i don't know i mean i think it would have to be something that um might need that i felt like might you know deserve a little more attention mm. um cats cats <laughs> i'm gonna shoot it in my parents basement <laughs> I'm saying it's a hundred million dollar budget. It'll cost me twenty five dollars to and make. And then you'll use the rest to pay bills. To pay bills. You'll use them absolutely <laughs> for the rest of my life. <laughs> this sounds like a really good plan. <laughs> okay. Okay. So here, here's a special one. Would you rather? This is gonna be great. Would you rather have to fart loudly every time you had a serious conversation, or? <laughs> after every kiss <laughs> no question serious conversation <laughs> i do not need a fart interrupting any kind of intimate moment <laughs> oh god Next that's question, good please <laughs> farting will always be funny to me no matter how that's a I, I know are you guys one of those people who are embarrassed to fart in like in, in the in like public like audibly or yeah <laughs> both like do you always try like <laughs> i wouldn't say i'm necessarily like totally comfortable yeah yeah like passing wind in a very obvious way in front of people but <laughs> if it happens it happens i mean yeah. i feel like you know we gotta just be okay with our bodies these days yeah like, and like we, we, all, we all do it like why, why are we it. so embarrassed well, like, if, let's say i'm in like ralph's or something if the if the yeah, aisle that's... is empty i'll <laughs> survey i'll survey and i'll be all okay I'll, I'll, and then I'll just... i have friends that have never farted in front of their partners before. yeah that I is was, wild yeah. that like they will take yeah. walks around the block so they could fart far. <laughs> and to come back and then come back in the house and be like, I, I just needed some air. <laughs> That's crazy. That's um, crazy. That's crazy. Okay. If you could give advice to your teenage teenage self, what would it be? Ooh. Um, it's 
it sounds cliche, but probably that it'll all be okay. Yeah. No, that sounds that, so perfect. I think yeah. if you, if you, in a, in a way, if I actually pictured that being a truth, something that I truly understood, I think it might have alleviated some of the, the stress. Totally. Yeah. I, I yeah. like how we went from farts to giving advice to our younger self. <laughs> Yeah, in a quarantine, mind you. It'll yeah, all be okay. Right. He says, like, day 65 in quarantine. So, yeah. Um, um, and then our final question is, we ask this to all our guests, is there an underrepresented voice in the industry, whether it's an actor, writer, producer, or creator, that's not in the mainstream that you would want to give shine to and you think deserves more recognition from the industry? Multiple answers are accepted. Um... Well, I would say the the cast of Sex Education. Mm, yeah, all, I think not a lot of people are watching that show, but that entire cast is so special. Yeah. It is, and it's such a dynamic group of of voices, and they are all so so talented. And they're in the UK, so I don't necessarily know how many people over here are are watching that show, but I cannot recommend it enough. And they have done. The writers on that show have written such beautiful episodes um, about normalizing, you know, the, the first few steps of like coming into your own sexually as a yeah. teenager. And also just, you know, I, I just wrapped the show up a couple days ago, which is why I'm very passionate about it. But, but also the episode where um, the character gets um, sexually assaulted on the bus and how mm. they wrote this episode of, of all the, the women in the show coming together and supporting her. I mean, it was, it could bring me to tears. It was so mm. special. Uh-huh. Um, and then, you know, on a personal level, um, my friend, Ali Pankew, who um, directed all of uh, Feel Good for Netflix, oh, is okay. a beautiful um, queer director um, who has just done such beautiful work and I've been working with her recently and, um, you know, we need, we need female directors more than we ever have before. Amen. Um, yeah. Uh, particularly members of the community. Um, you know, it's, it's important. So, um, I would say my, my, my close pal, Ali Pankew, um, I, you know, I want her to continue working forever and ever. Yeah, shout cool. out to Ali Pankle. Shout out. Thank, well, Dan, thank you so thank much you. This was a great for combo. talking to farts. So farts. Yes. farts. Keep each other company. Yes. Otherwise, <laughs> very lonely time. Um, oh, farts, cats, Shake Shack. We, we covered a lot of ground in an yeah. hour, in about an hour. So, yeah. so Dan, thank you so much. Take care oh, of yourself. Congrats Virtual to hugs. Too. Congrats oh, to yeah, Congrats. Show. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We cannot wait to see what you have coming next. Yeah. Oh, yeah well, yeah. I can't yeah. wait to talk to you about it. Yes. yes. <laughs> we'll see you on the other side of all of this. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Have a good Take one. Care. You too. Yeah. Bye-bye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.